Hello, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. It is Thursday, June 16th, 2022. I'm Faith Amaphidon. And I'm Mike Monahan. Kelly's behind the scenes tonight. Thank you for joining us. On Tuesday, June 13th, frustrated drivers met at Uber Saga's headquarters to protest Uber and Lyft's elimination of fuel charges. 482, not for me and you! 482, not for me and you! With the average cost of gas hovering over $5 a gallon, rideshare drivers are none too happy to absorb the cost. In March, Uber, Lyft, and other app-based companies started charging passengers 35 to 50 cents per ride to offset the rising price of gas. This surcharge, paid directly to drivers, ended on June 15th. Drivers and allies such as Massachusetts is not for sale are demanding more from big tech as rideshare drivers are without many work protections and must cover the cost of repairs, taxes and health insurance on their own. Drivers celebrated the Supreme Judicial Court's decision to reject the Uber Lyft ballot question to treat drivers as independent contractors instead of employees. We are demanding that they give all drivers a per-mile gas surcharge because it's not right and it's not fair that they're profiting off of the backs of workers. We take all of the risk, we do all of the work, and they still and still and still exploit us, and we are demanding that they give us this gas surcharge because drivers are hurting, their wallets are hurting, families are hurting. Right now, drivers are going hungry can't pay their bills because of that. Gas is getting us on one end and the low pay is getting us on the other. So uh, we're looking for a per mile surcharge from these companies to deal with the high gas prices. You know, there's, there's nothing, uh, the gas is not gonna go down anytime soon. That's, a, that's our ask from these companies and we know that they have record profits and they're able to, to, to do it, but they simply don't want to. They call us partners, we're independent contractors, we have no say in what we do, in what we earn, we have no say in, or we have no legal protections, we have no protections at all. 35 cents per trip? Is Uber writing, let them eat cake in big flaming letters of gasoline? The 122nd U.S. Open Championship starts today in Brookline, the first at the country club since 1988, to the delight of local golf enthusiasts. However, if you are a resident of Brookline or a surrounding neighborhood, you may find it a bit more difficult to get around. The country club is anticipating well over 175,000 visitors just this week alone. As a result, Clyde and Lee Streets will have limited access and transportation officials are encouraging guests and residents alike to use the orange and green lines for transit. BNN viewer Kimberly Kelly, who drives from the town of Franklin to work at Emanuel College in Fenway, told BNN she plans on providing herself ample time, at least an additional 30-minute cushion, to both her inbound and outbound commutes until the tournament concludes this Sunday, Juneteenth. The case for reparations has lived since the end of the Civil War. Several states, with California leading the way, have pledged to pay reparations for slavery in recent years. And on June 15th, City Councilor Tanya F. Anderson asked Boston to lay the foundation by first apologizing for its complicity in the transatlantic slave trade. Anderson crafted the historic resolution heard at Boston City Hall over the last six months with the New Democracy Coalition. Boston-based baritone Joshua Conyers is Reginald Little in Anthony Davis's X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X, coming to the Strand Theater this Friday. B 
BNN's Melita Arradondo sat down with the star to dive deeper into what it means to take on the transformative role. This opera, um, written by Anthony Davis, and um, the librettist is by Tulani Davis, uh, they're family members, and, um, you know, they wanted to write a story, you know, an impactful story about Malcolm X in, you know, in the early 80s, you know, mm -hmm. do a show um, for black people, by black people, and it was really unheard of at that time um, in the 80s, and they were able to pull it off and do it, uh, premiere it in New York. Um, and the last time they did it was around uh, 1985, and it vanished. It was ah. Anthony Davis's first opera. And now, you know, since the pandemic and this big push for more diverse works, um, this piece got brought back up. And um, Detroit Opera uh, was the first to put this show on, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of this revival. So Exciting. yeah, so this this you know the, the opera is called "The Life and Times of Malcolm X." So it's really about uh, his life, starting from um, his childhood in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, through his time in jail, and then him preaching all over in New York and you know many different places and. You know, it's just a story of this wonderful, amazing man and his time and all of the trials and tribulations that he dealt with and his journey, you know, from being, you know, uh, a kid taken away from his family, his father being murdered, his mother being institutionalized in the hospital and then going from foster systems, living with his sister here in Boston um, and, you know, him getting into trouble him going to jail, and uh, the, the role that I'm playing, uh, Reginald, his brother, um, I'm the first person who really speaks to him about the nation. Uh -huh. um, and so just to be a part of this history and mm -hmm. to retell the story um, and how, you know, this story impacts us today and informs us on, on how, you know, such a man could touch so many lives, right? Mm -hmm. This guy who um, went through so much mm -hmm. and changed his life to help others and impact others to love themselves and to be better humans um, in society. So it's just, it's an honor to work on this piece and be wow. a part of it. So yeah. you're Malcolm X, is it, is it younger or older? Younger brother, brother Reginald. Younger brother. Yeah, so it's really okay. cool um, because they used to, um, they call, used to call Reginald Little Malcolm because uh, Reginald would follow him around and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Malcolm always re uh, respected him because um, when Malcolm was hustling in the streets and mm -hmm. kind of doing things to make money the wrong way, he felt like his little brother was doing it the right way. And how Reginald did it was um, he, um, instead of like hustling out on the streets, he got he found himself an older woman. Uma. Who took yeah? Who took care of him? <laughs> who took care of him? So he didn't have to you know hustle on the streets and do all that. So he came by his money on in a good way, as Malcolm would have said. Okay. Yeah. So we, we can go into the psychological yeah, things right? yeah. another time. That's interesting. <laughs> that is really interesting. Um, so another question I wanted to ask you is 
So this started in New York. Has it recently, is this the first time recently in the country that it's being played? Yeah, so yeah, so it started in New York. Um, I think the last show, I could be wrong about this, but it was like around 1985, 86 circa, mm -hmm. last time it was performed. And then it just got done in Detroit. Uh, oh. Yeah, just, yep, the revival happened in Detroit in oh. May. Um, and now we're bringing it here to Boston with the um, Odyssey Opera and Boston Modern Opera Pro Modern Orchestra projects, mm -hmm. um, and um, we're doing one show uh, this coming Friday, June seventeenth, and um, we're making a record a studio recording of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, that's just, awesome. What time is the show? It's at eight p.m. and um, it's a pay as you will. Oh. Uh, yeah, so there is no certain fee that you have. So if you want to give $100, you know, you can give it. If you want to give $500, you can give it. If you want to give, if all you have is $5, you have $10, $20, you can come see this show and you can enjoy yourself. That's so, wonderful. It's yeah. a great way to uh, expand mm -hmm. your audience. Absolutely. So if you want to go online, um, it's uh, bmop.org. And you can get your tickets there mm -hmm. and come see us on Friday. Sounds good. Yeah. Now tell me a little bit about you. Ah, so yeah. So How'd I'm, you get into opera? Yeah, I mean, so I'm a kid from uh, New York City, from the Bronx. Um, moved to Virginia when I was a teenager. Oh, okay. uh, and that's when, um, I, you know, I, wanted, I was always singing. I, was, I wanted to be in, in a boy band. So I started <laughs> a boy band. Um, it was great. And once that kind of kind of fell to the, to the wayside, I started doing this program called the Governor's School for the Arts in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. And um, we did operas there in high school. That is yeah, amazing. Yeah, we put on four operas. We did recitals and, you know, and scenes, concerts, and everything. It was like full-blown college. It really was. So I had the opportunity amazing. at a very young age to experience opera. You know, where I'm from, you know, I'm from, you know, Webster Avenue. I'm from the projects, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Butler Housing. So I didn't have a lot of opportunities as a kid to see those things. So even in New York, when I was there and, you know, this epicenter of, you know, we have the Metropolitan Opera. And when I was growing up, New York City Opera was still in the Lincoln Center. And I didn't even know those things existed. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, growing up, you know, that's why I really relate to the story because, you know, I grew up, my parents were um, victims of 1980s, you know, crack epidemic. So, you know, I can really relate to Malcolm losing his parents and, you know, and, you know, me going from shelter to shelter, like he was going from home to home and, mm. you know, without water and without going without food and being homeless. Mm. Um, and, you know, I didn't have that exposure being in New York where it's a big epicenter for the arts. Mm -hmm. And it took uh, some lovely, wonderful teachers to actually bring me back to Manhattan because I had never set, stepped foot in, you know, Times Square or downtown. Right. I didn't even know any of that existed. And I lived there for 13 years of mm -hmm. my life. Um, and so to get that experience and go to the Metropolitan Opera and see those things and see, wow, you know, this is something I could do with my life. Mm -hmm. I kind of dedicated myself to the arts. So I got my degrees in it, got my master's degree. You know, I, I figured out, oh, you know, I can go to school for mm -hmm. this and make some, myself into something. You that know, I don't have to wonderful. be. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it, it's been a challenge yeah. in so many ways in your life. And for sure. you are doing what you want to do and you followed your yeah. heart. That's amazing. Thank you. I, I, so tell me about your coworkers, do you, a little yeah. bit about them. Who plays oh, Malcolm? Yeah. So Devon Tynes plays Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. um, 
just a fa I mean, he just embodies the man. It's absolutely incredible to watch. Um, he um, is not only a, a talented actor, but a wonderful singer. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a treat to really watch him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Victor, um, he plays um, Elijah Street. He plays Elijah and then he also plays Street. So he plays Elijah Muhammad and also the street guy who kind of gets Malcolm involved and the smoothest guy on stage, wonderful tenor. Uh, and he's just, uh, his acting chops are just mm -hmm. top of the line. He's incredible. And, and his part is just kind of, he sings all these high notes and it gets, it's just amazing to watch. Um, who plays his wife, uh, Betty, um, Whitney Morrison. She's a Chicago native, mm -hmm. um, just a fabulous singer, fa fabulous stage presence. She just gives her all, and she leaves it all out on the stage. She's absolutely fabulous. And, um, you know, uh, who plays um, his, um, his sister, Ella, um, is Renita Miller. Um, she is one of the most amazing mezzo-sopranos that we have today in the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pleasure just to be on stage with her and to learn from her and to watch her. Um, and it's not my first show with her either, so it's mm -hmm. just uh, fab. I mean, this cast is absolutely phenomenal. And, but you know, if I have to mention anybody, I have to mention the ensemble. Um, they really lead this show. You know, yeah, you know, the show is about Malcolm X, uh -huh. but they sing the most, the ensemble. And, okay. you know, they're there, you know, um, not just as filler, you know, they are moving the plot along throughout the whole entire story. They are so vital. excited to see yeah, this. They are vital to this piece. And the music is extremely hard. So the work that they put in is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's such a well-rounded cast mm -hmm. and ensemble. And um, just um, a shout out to Gil Rose, um, the artistic director for these two mm -hmm. companies, for bringing it here to Boston and really making a commitment to black artists and diverse works because that's just so important. And this is needed. This is a Boston story yes. that needs to be heard, and I'm glad that it's going to be here at the Strand. Residents of all ages arrived at Boston Commons Bandstand any way they could for the march against elderly abuse. Central Boston Elder Services joined forces with Ethos, Boston Senior Home Care, and Boston's Age Strong Commission to speak up for seniors on June 15th, Elder Abuse Awareness Day. According to the World Health Organization, one in six seniors over the age of 60 have endured a form of abuse. Abuse can be physical, emotional, financial, and sexual, in addition to abandonment and neglect. Concerned residents marched one mile yesterday to inspire others to learn the signs of elder abuse. When an elder is being abused by a child, or by their children. It's a very devastating situation for them. They certainly would not have expected that from their children. After investing years of care and support to that child or to their children, and at a vulnerable time in their lives, now those same children that they cared for uh, now turns around and abuse them, physically, emotionally, and that 
in, of, in and of itself is really not a very good feeling. It leaves many of these elders in places of depression and isolation. Elder abuse comes in so many different forms. It comes in the, in the form of financial exploitation and, and taking the hard-earned dollars that somebody uh, has saved and is sustaining their, their existence. It comes in the form of physical abuse and uh, you know, really sustaining you know, real life-threatening injuries. It comes in the form of neglect and you know, not paying attention to the needs of an older adult when they might be going hungry or they might uh, need some assistance in their home. Um, you know, it's really the, the, you know, a, tragic, you know, a, a, a tragic issue for society and you know, it's so important that um, you know, we recognize those signs of abuse and we, we do everything that we can to help our most experienced citizens. We often think about abuse and neglect with children and really that has always taken precedence over um, what happens to our older adults in America. And actually one out of ten older adults in America have or are being abused, um, mistreated. And a lot of times we think about broken bones and bruises, but actually um, abuse and neglect happen in so many different forms. It um, takes place in taking money from our older adults who are unaware of um, why they're giving people money. Um, also, you know, the hidden truth about how we are neglecting our older uh, adults. You know, we simply sometimes forget about the needs that they may have. Um, they're isolated in their homes. We don't necessarily always see what they're not getting and what they're needing. And sometimes for themselves, um, as they grow older, it's embarrassing for them. And so we need to reach out to them all the time, making sure they do and have what they need and that they're cared for. The city of Boston is honoring Dorchester native Donna Summer in a fun-filled, family-friendly disco party sounds right up my alley, tonight in Copley Square. The event will showcase music by DJ Vince One, followed by a tribute to the singer, led by her sister Mary Gaines Bernard, and an appearance by Summer's nephew, rapper Omega Red. The fun kicks off at 6 p.m. tonight in Copley Square and completely open to the public. Juneteenth, also known as Jubilee Day and Black Independence Day, commemorates the emancipation of enslaved people in the United States. First celebrated in Galveston, Texas on June 19, 1865, Juneteenth holds a special place for many African Americans. I had the pleasure of speaking with Ramon Oladigbalu of Boston Juneteenth Committee on the importance of this day, his organization's plans for this holiday, and his hopes for unity within the black diaspora. I am so thrilled to be here today speaking with Ramon Oladigbalu who is a writer, director, and filmmaker under his production company, Oracle Films. But today, he is joining us. He is speaking as a member of our Boston Juneteenth Committee. Ramon, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so to get us started, what is Boston Juneteenth Committee? How did it come to be? And how long have you been with this organization? Um, Boston Juneteenth Committee is uh, uh, an organization that has been around for, uh, I, I believe, getting close to a decade and a half now, about, about 12, 13 years. Um, we started uh, doing the uh, Boston Juneteenth events 
uh, about 12 year, years ago because this uh, year's event is the 12th uh, anniversary that we will be uh, holding here in Boston. And the, the committee started uh, before I joined uh, mm. later. The committee started uh, with um, uh, the work of uh, Ralph F. Brown Jr. in Boston, an activist who have been working with, uh, um, uh, uh, who was a chairperson of the Massachusetts uh, Juneteenth campaign. And uh, he was the one that led the effort to uh, be able to create the uh, observers here in Boston. And uh, so this, so what, since they've started that, it has been going for a few years before I joined, uh, about nine years ago, and uh, and we've been holding the uh, anniversary every year to celebrate the uh, uh, the emancipation uh, that occurred in uh, 1865. Oh wow, uh, some some big history there with you and the group, uh, and you've already started talking a little bit for it, but. For anyone who may be unfamiliar with Juneteenth, what is it and why is it so important? Um, Juneteenth, uh, uh, as I learned, it was, it came from an event that occurred in 1865, which was uh, uh, about two years after the end of the Civil War when, um, sorry, I think, uh, yeah, comes up, but it, it was in two, uh, 1865. And when the, uh, the people in Texas, Galveston, Texas, when they heard, uh, um, received the message about uh, the emancipation, uh, the proclamation by uh, um, President Lincoln. So that was the beginning of uh, a day after uh, the um, arrival of General Granger and uh, he, he made the announcement. So it was a day after that, that they started the very first one, which was uh, June 19th. Hmm. And since then, uh, we've been having the uh, uh, events, though in different parts of the United States, it's, uh, it, it, it started uh, uh, waxing and waning over time uh, up until this time. Right. So last year, President Biden, he signed legislation to make Juneteenth a, an official uh, federal holiday. Um, so it's now brought the holiday into a larger national conversation. So what do you hope that this recognition will do for Juneteenth moving forward? Um, you know, I, I, I've been very, very pleased with that. And uh, because over the years that we've been doing it here, uh, it's something I learned uh, uh, gradually the history of uh, what happened and up until the, this time that we are now celebrating the Juneteenth. And you, one thing I noticed was how the, the details of the history have not been very clear to people, you know, and, uh, and even many of us that we believe in Juneteenth that we ought to be celebrating it, uh, the information weren't really complete and it was something that you have to be researching and uh, hearing in trickles or someone got a research and be able to throw uh, additional light so I've been very happy with this because I think uh, this will also uh, open this up to wider people across the United States for us to really be able to understand, you know, uh, what the day stand for, what happened uh, uh, in 1865 and how it happened and uh, the, the, the roles that the different communities, different individuals played at the time and how that will be able to let us really see what happened because, you know, uh, uh, these stories there have been some uh, uh, political manipulations of what actually happens for, for all different reasons. And I think it needs to really be clear. And I'm glad that with this uh, now uh, as a national holiday, and I've been seeing on TV and places where there, people are uh, announcing what they're gonna do on June, uh, June 19, which was not something that you see on TV or anywhere like that before. Right. So I'm really happy that uh, we, are, we are at that point 
that hoping that more and more will be able to open up about the holiday. Definitely, it's it's very exciting. Uh, and as you said, uh, Boston Juneteenth Committee has been around for well over a decade. Are they doing anything special for this uh, this Juneteenth? Uh, yes, this Juneteenth, uh, uh, as we have been doing every year, uh, we hold the uh, Juneteenth Emancipation Observance uh, on the grounds of the uh, National, uh, the Museum of the National Center of Afro-American Artists uh, in Roxbury. Uh, during the COVID pandemic, we uh, uh, we stopped doing that uh, live on the ground and we moved it online, but it has never stopped. Uh, with the help of uh, BNN, and uh, we have it on online for everyone to watch. So we've continued to do that. And this year will be the first year after the COVID that we will be uh, uh, returning to the grounds of the museum. Mm. And uh, an additional thing that we are now starting this year with it is to hold a parade uh, that will start uh, uh, from the Boys and Girls Club in Roxbury. And, uh, and with that, we uh, move it to the museum and where the event uh, uh, will continue just as we have been doing. But we have a lot of uh, activities all packaged for this year because, you know, uh, we are very excited, especially about this year's, uh, given that, you know, we're just coming out of the COVID, coming back to do it live with the people. And at the same time, in between, we also have the, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, yeah, that he has become a national holiday now. So it's uh, the significance that we're hoping, you know, people will uh, really feel the weight and we are, mm. Oh, looking forward to really having a wonderful time on the, on Sunday, uh, June nineteenth, and uh, and as you can tell, it's it's also a day that coincides with the, with Father's Day. Uh, That's it's right. That, yeah, that we've discussed, uh, talked about a lot. It's uh, mentioned in the, on the flyer as well. Uh, so it's no secret that Boston is home to a very large and diverse African immigrant population. In fact, I believe. Um, our Boston population is 24.2% black, um, African-American identifying. So um, given that, um, that African-Americans are descendants of former slaves, would you say that there um, is a disconnect when it comes to Juneteenth uh, as it relates to the African immigrant community? If so, how do you feel that bridge can be? Um, yeah, there, there has been some disconnect, and uh, and I, but it, it didn't start with uh, uh, Juneteenth celebration. It's something that uh, 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 precedes the idea of celebrating the Juneteenth here, and uh, and I I'm sure they, they, as you will know, this is also across the the United States. Uh, so I see, uh, given that some of the things that we have learned about this is how different understanding of uh, one another's history, one another's journey, and the whole United States where we are, uh, these have been the problems leading to this kind of disconnect. And we've been uh, trying all avenues to try to make sure that we eliminate this uh, uh, lack of understanding of one another so that we can be able to really come together and be a, a stronger force. I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. It Juneteenth is for everyone, it affects everyone, uh, which is so true. Uh, and for our viewers who are watching who want to learn more about Boston Juneteenth Committee or get more involved, how can they do that? Um, yes, we have a website uh, that is uh, bostonjuneteenth.com. Uh, Boston 
uh, where people can go and uh, be able to get information about uh, uh, the committee. And then you can also go to uh, uh, NCCCA, sorry, NCAAA, uh, I can, uh, I'll give you that, NCAA, which is the uh, National Center of Afro-American Artists, uh, the website for the uh, museum in Roxbury. So mm. you can also be able to get uh, information uh, about the Boston Juneteenth Committee. And uh, for this event coming, we have uh, uh, on Events Pride, we have uh, uh, places where people can go register for the parade uh, to join. Uh, and on Facebook, we have uh, the Boston Juneteenth Committee on Facebook as well that you can, you'll be able to join us. So all of these places, we have information that uh, people can reach us, people can join because we, you know, in order to be able to make this grow, to build it uh, uh, as we hope, is for more and more people to join and for us all to uh, uh, do it together every year from heights to heights. So yeah, please, we're looking forward to uh, uh, having you. Thank you for joining us. You can vibe with us every Monday and Thursday at 5.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can also stream us anytime on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, RCN Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. Love to listen to the radio? You can hear BNN News at 6.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. on WBCA 102.9 FM. A note to our viewers, in observance of Juneteenth, there will be no BNN News broadcast on Monday, June 20th, but we can't wait to see you on Thursday, June 23rd. For BNN News, I'm Faith Macedon. And I'm Mike Monahan. Thanks so much for joining us tonight.